Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Well, I'm super glad to be with you this morning. My name is Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor of the Midland Church there. and uh, Just super excited about what's taking place in Lubbock. It's such, a, such an incredible thing. Uh, we're, we're praying for you. We're believing God just to continue to pour his spirit out on you guys, and, and it's, it's happening. I think it's so incredible just to see the outpouring of the presence of God that's even in this room right now. So I just wanna pray just for a, a short moment before we go too far. So Father, I thank you. What else is there to say? But thank you. Thank you for all that you are, God. Thank you for the outpouring of your presence. Thank you for the outpouring of your son, Jesus. Where would we be without Jesus? And Jesus, I pray that you're glorified in this church. I pray that you're glorified in the lives of the people that are sitting in this room. I pray that, that the, the city of Lubbock points to Jesus. Yeah, I thank you that, that you are the mountain, Jesus, that people come to Lubbock to look at. I think that you're doing something unique and you're doing something special in the city. You're not a coincidental God, you're a purposeful, intentional God, and so I thank you for releasing an intentional anointing on these people to change their city and that the heavenly realities become what we walk in here. I thank you for this message, God. I pray that this word, uh, that, it, that it comes straight from you, that it lands on our hearts and in our ears, God, that we would actually be able to take this and, and let this, this message, let this word produce life in us. And I just, uh, I give you myself, I give you my tongue, my ears, my eyes, my thoughts, God. I pray that you would get glory from this message. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 So thank you for coming. If you're a first-time guest, thank you for coming. This is, this is just what we do. If this was long for you, sorry, we're gonna do this again next week. We'd love for you to come back. Church, could we just actually just celebrate our first-time guests for the first time? Thank you for coming. We just believe that uh, Jesus is alive and that Jesus is worth being praised. And so if it looks like that, that's what we're gonna give him. Amen? Today, I wanna talk to you about tension. Tension. I wanna to talk to you about what the results of tension produce in our lives when tension is applied to anything. Now, sometimes tension is this thing that we often stray from because tension is basically the state of putting something under stress. It's stretching something tight. Tension also puts us under some sort of emotional or, or mental strain or physical strain. Uh, anytime that you're gonna lift weights, you have to put your muscles under strain or under tension in order for them to grow. But sometimes we avoid tension simply because it's uncomfortable. Anybody been there? Milk and Oreos is way more comfortable than tension, so I just do that instead of the gym. Because tension is uncomfortable and sometimes inconvenient. Tension is something that we have to understand that we're gonna live in. When thinking about tension, I think about physics, and so if you would for a moment, go back with me to, to high school physics. Some of you are like, okay, well listen, that puts too much tension on my brain, so I can't do that, I'm out. 
Just go ahead and tell me about physics and I'll listen. In physics, you learn that there are two basic types of energy that all of the other energies fall into, these two categories. You have kinetic energy and you have potential energy. And a system possesses energy if it has the ability to do work. Say, do work. Now say, do work, son. Now we're having church. <laughs> energy is transferred and transformed whenever work is done. Say, I have energy. Say, I have energy. The moms are like, I had energy, but that was like a long time ago. I believe energy is coming back to you. But the differences in kinetic energy and potential energy are these two things. Kinetic energy is energy that is in motion. It's energy that is moving. While potential energy is literally energy that's just, it's stored up and it's waiting to be released. Kinetic energy is activated anytime that tension, be it pressure or strain or stress or pull or stretching is applied and then released. So you have potential energy and you have connect, uh, kinetic energy. And one of the things that... You have to know about me is I love, I love archery, I love bow hunting. Recently, I, I switched from a, a modern compound bow back to a recurve, which is basically just a stick and a string, and I don't know what I was thinking. It's extremely challenging, and, and sometimes I just want to swing it like a baseball bat into the brick wall because I'm not good at it. But that's besides the point. We're going to talk about my anger at another time, not today. But when you think about kinetic energy and you think about potential energy, I think about shooting a bow. See, if you've ever seen a bow, you have these long curved limbs and that's where all of the potential energy is stored and then connected to those limbs is a string. And so the moment that I grab the string with an arrow on that string and I begin to pull that string, I'm actually creating more potential energy in these limbs because they're bending, they're underweight. And so the moment that I pull that string and I release that arrow, now that potential energy from those limbs is being released into the arrow, now you have kinetic energy. Now kinetic energy and, and, and tension, they, they go hand in hand. Because if I'm aiming at a target that's 20 yards away, that's what I wanna hit. But I only pull with a little bit of tension, I should not expect for that arrow to meet the destination that I want it to meet. I shouldn't expect for that arrow to actually go forth with the force that it should in my mind. But when I add more tension to that bowstring and I aim, I'm allowing that arrow to get put in its, in its place at the right time with the right momentum and the right force. See, tension is extremely important in bow hunting because it produces accuracy and it produces force. And since I bored you with physics and bow hunting, I wanna talk about what this all means in our relationship with God. One thing that I want you to understand in your relationship with God and that we have to settle is this. It is impossible to live a life of faith and not deal with tension. It's impossible. In fact, we ought to become the people that, that see tension coming and just say, come on tension because I know what's happening is I'm being pulled back so that I could be launched forward. Most of the time we, we see tension coming and we start running for the hills because the Oreos and the cookies sound way better. Amen? Do I have anybody that agrees? We uh, sometimes in our relationship with God, we quickly define tension as rejection. You ever said things like, 
Lord, okay, listen, for real this time. If you'll just do this one thing for me, if you'll just give me this one thing, if you'll just bring that certain someone into my life, if you'll just do this once, I'll never ask you for anything else again. It's like our kids, like the day after Christmas, they're like, dad, I really, really want this thing. If you give me this one thing, I'll never ask you for anything else again. I'm like, it was just Christmas yesterday. Stop asking me for stuff. This is how we approach God. But what happens in those moments when God doesn't come through instantly? What happens in those moments when our relationship with God gets tough? What happens in those moments when we feel like we're, we're being met with delayed answers? Oftentimes we fall into this, this state of mind. You don't have to tell on yourself, but in these moments when you feel like God is delaying his answer or when you feel like things got too challenging, the first place we go is God hates me. It's like zero to God hates me in no time flat. Or it's like, oh my gosh, I must have missed it. I sinned somewhere, we start searching our lives, we start digging out all of the things, we start going back through all of our memories to make sure that we didn't miss the mark somewhere. We start looking in all of these places all because we're actually dealing with tension. We think we've fallen into some crazy great sin. We start thinking that we're not worth the thing that we were even asking God for. We start thinking, oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. God doesn't do that kind of stuff for, for people like you. He does it for people like them. We start thinking all of these things. In Matthew chapter six, it's this whole chapter about worry and Jesus is talking. He's saying, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you're gonna put on. Are you not more valuable than the birds of the air? And he's saying all these things. And then in verse 32, he says this, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. I just wanna let you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but your asking of God doesn't all of a sudden enlighten him to what you need. It's not like God's waiting up there and he's like, I created all these people and I know nothing about them and I hope that someday they ask me for something so that I'll actually know what their tastes are and then I could actually provide them the things that they want. That's not the way that God works. God actually knows the things that you need before you even ask. He knows your needs. So what if instead of instantly thinking that God has abandoned us or bailed out on us when he doesn't come through, we start to realize three things. These are three things that I start realizing in these moments and I just wanna impart them to you. The first thing that I, I want us to start realizing is this. Maybe, maybe just maybe by happenstance, could be a far outside shot. Maybe, maybe we don't have the character to steward the blessing of God that we're asking him for. Like, mm, don't talk to me like that. Like, okay, well, how would I determine if I have the character to steward the blessing of God? Okay, so here's a couple things. If you're believing for a new car, how well are you taking care of the car that you already have? Do your feet sit on the floorboard or do your feet sit on trash that's in the floorboard? If that's you, just look straight ahead. Don't be looking around. It's totally fine. Like, Lord, I want more money. I want a better job. Are you on time to the job that you already have? Do you cut out five minutes early? How do you talk about your boss when he's not there? How do you steward the money that you already have that's in your account? Do you tithe with it? Are you going above the tithe? How are you stewarding your finances? Like, oh, I so badly want a new house. How clean is the house that you live in now? 
Well, you don't understand I have kids. That's the only exception. <laughs> I think the Lord's like, you know what, listen. Better you to deal with them jokers than me. It's totally fine if your house looks like that. Like, I want that spouse. I want that, that person in my life. How well do you love the people that are around you already? How well do you talk about the people that challenge you already? Like, oh, I so badly want to operate in, the, in a gift of healing, or I so badly want to operate in the gift of prophecy. How well are you stewarding the gift that God's put on you on the inside of you already? Like, oh, I want to, I aspire to be in ministry, and I, just, I aspire to, to preach, and when I preach, I, I just want, I want the presence of God to shake the building. I want people, let the bodies hit the floor. I want to see all of the things. How well are you stewarding the anointing that's on your life right now? A couple of ways that I, I think about how I steward the anointing is what am I allowing in here and in here and how does it affect the thing that God has put on the inside of me? These are just a couple of questions. Why should God give us more if he knows we're not taking care of what we already have? I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to put you in that position. I'm literally just trying to call you up. I think about my relationship with God and I think about this message and what I'm even talking about in this moment. Like I think about my, my relationship with my kids. I don't know how many people in the room have kids, but in our garage, we have a certain place where all of the toys go. Anybody else? And that's where they go because that's where I said they go because I'm God in my house and I get to say where they go. But my kids have this tendency to grab their bicycle or their scooter and ride it and then it's like they just jump off of it while it's going and wherever it lands, it's where it stays. It's like the craziest trick. I don't know how they do it. It's like constantly they're just ghost riding their bicycle. And it's like they watch it and if it falls in the middle of the garage, they're like, oh yeah, that's where it's supposed to go. I have literally had the conversation over and over and over. I've given spankings. I even put bicycles and scooters in the bed of my truck and made my kids think that someone stole them for three days. Because the bicycle goes where I said it goes. But constantly they, they come back to me like, Dad, I want this thing. I want, and, I, and I have this conversation. I picked your bicycle up from the middle of the garage last week, which tells me that you don't take care of the things that you already have. So why should I give you something else? But what I need them to understand is this, and what we have to understand is this. There's nothing more than I'd rather do for my kids than give them the thing that they're asking for. But I know if they don't steward the thing that they already have, they'll trample over what the good thing that they're asking for is too, and I'll slowly perpetuate their ability to develop character. And I believe that God sees us the same way. He's slowly wanting us to allow him to tune on our ability to be people of character. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, this is one of the most famous scriptures in all the Bible, it says if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. The second thing I want us to realize is this. In the moments of tension, in the moments where we feel like God has abandoned or bailed out on us, or when we feel like we're getting delayed answers to prayer, we have to keep our eyes more on Jesus than ever before. See, when tension is applied to our lives through delayed response or whatever that looks like, we oftentimes look at at three things. We look at me, we look at them, and we look at it. We look at me and we say things like, 
poor me. I asked or I believed and it didn't happen for me, so there must be something wrong with me. I don't have it or I'm not it, I'm always or I'm never, and we start looking at ourselves as we are the problem and why God hasn't done the thing for us. Or we start looking at them. We say things like this, well, God, you did it for them. That's a, that's a place that you ought to tread really, really lightly in. God, you did it for them. Do you even know how they talk about their spouse when their spouse isn't around? Do you know what they said around the campfire the other night about their spouse and you did that for them? Do you know how they parent their children and you bless them like that? You gave them that house? Did you even see the one that they lived in before and how well they took care of it? It was a disaster and you did this for them? These are real things that go on in our brains. Or I'll just tell them myself. These are real things that go on in my brain. I don't know about you, I'll let you decide for yourself. Or we start looking at it. If it is a problem, it is too big. If it is a challenge, it's something that I'll never prevail against. Or if it is a thing, we think, if I only have it. God, if you'll only give me it. It could be a person, it could be a thing, it could be a job, it could be a car. It will do something for me. I just need it. Why? Because I just need it. It will fix everything. And I wanna say this, unless God gives it to you, it won't produce for you what you think it will produce. If God doesn't give it to you, it won't do the thing for you that you think it will do for you. These are all super unproductive places to look in the midst of tension. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse one, it says this, Therefore also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's important in the midst of tension, in the midst of these moments, where we feel like we're getting stretched, that we focus on Jesus. He has to be what we're fixated upon. He has to be what we're aiming at. The third thing that I want us to realize is this. In the midst of tension, in the midst of stretching, in the midst of stress, you have to remember this. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And sometimes, in order to help you hit the mark that he set before you, He's gonna pull you back before he launches you forward. I know it's cliche to say God has a plan and a purpose, 100%, I believe it. But the fact that he might tune on you in terms of pulling you back so that you go forward is a challenge for us. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says that for we are his workmanship. This is, he's, he's talking to you. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before that you should walk in them. So he has a plan and he has a purpose for you. He has a plan and he has a purpose for you to walk in these good works, to walk, to run your race with endurance. If you look in Luke chapter 22, Jesus talks to Peter in an interesting way. They have this interesting uh, exchange of words. Luke chapter 22, 31 and 32, it says this. 
This is such a, a crazy little deal here. It says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I could imagine that this is a pretty interesting conversation and I would imagine that what Peter's response like in this situation is probably, it's probably something like this. So Peter's like, or Jesus goes, hey, so Pete, listen. So, so Satan came and he asked if he could just kind of put you through the paces. He just wants to see if he could get your faith to buckle on you. And so he came to me and he's like, hey, can I, can I have Peter for a little while? I imagine Peter's like, and you said no, right? They're <laughs> like, well, not exactly. See, Jesus didn't remove it in this moment. He just said, I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail you. We have to read the scripture with the answer in mind because Jesus gives Peter the answer to what's about to happen. He says, I, I prayed for your faith that it wouldn't fail you. And he said, and when you return to me, Jesus already knew what Peter was going to do. Jesus knew that there was something inside of Peter that wasn't going to allow Peter to fail in this moment and lose his faith. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. See, he speaks to us knowing our destiny. He speaks to us and he puts things in our life knowing the outcome of what's gonna produce. He knows that, that you're gonna walk in the thing that you're designed to walk in if you'll let him tune you in the right way. He knows that just like Peter, this is all said before Peter denies Jesus. This is all said before the resurrection of Jesus. But this is the same Peter that that preaches after the Holy Spirit comes and 3,000 are added to the church. We know who this Peter is. And Jesus in this moment is saying, I'm not going to remove the tension because the tension is only gonna pull you back. It's only gonna create character. It's only gonna tune you up. It's only gonna get you ready over here so that when you're finally released, you, you strengthen their brethren in such a way that 3,000 people are added to the church in a moment. What if Jesus wouldn't have allowed this thing to happen. I know it's a, it's a big what if, it's a, just an empty question. I often think, what would my life look like if I didn't have the testimony that I have? Who could I speak to if I hadn't gone through the things that I've gone through? Would my words carry weight when I speak to a, a child that's going through a divorce? See, we, we often think that if tension comes, I ought to run the other way. Tension is just fixing to increase the power of your testimony if you'll just let it work its way out in your life. I believe that God is setting us all up to be launched in a way that maybe we never have. Jesus didn't remove this tension from Peter. And I believe that Jesus oftentimes lets us walk in this tension because he knows that there's something that's great on the inside of you and it's his son, Jesus. And the longer that you let him tune on you, the more Jesus comes alive in you. The longer you let him tune in you, the more faith you have for the situation that you're fixing to be launched into. The longer that you let him tune on you, the longer that you let him build on you, the more purpose and the more power you'll be sent out with. We have to get to this place where we don't despise tension. 
everything that comes under tension becomes more effective and more accurate. Everything becomes more effective and more accurate. I believe that if you're under tension, you should expect and believe that God is positioning you to be launched with energy. I know that's a challenging mindset to have in the middle of, of a battle, in the middle of stress, in the middle of strain, in the middle of stretching. But I believe that if you would allow your mind to, to start believing, allow your faith to get turned into this way of expecting that God is doing something on your behalf, that you're gonna be propelled so much further than you would be otherwise. See, the farther you pull something back, the farther that object will go when you release it. One thing that I left out about my physics talk was this. There's this other part of the equation in bow hunting and it's called momentum. When you build an arrow for hunting, you build it in a certain way. You don't just slap any arrow on a string or on a bow. You actually build that arrow according to the, the, the measurements or the specs of that bow. If you, if you have too weak of an arrow, it won't fly with accuracy. If you have too strong of an arrow, it'll also not fly with accuracy. So you put just the right amount of weight up front on an arrow and you put a right amount of weight in the back of an arrow so that you get this arrow that's stabilized. So, so you create an arrow that has a lot of mass that meets the, 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 the requirements of the bow that you're shooting it out of. And when you release that arrow and that kinetic energy goes forth, the momentum is the thing that causes the arrow to hit its target and then keep going. And I believe that as God tunes on us, he's developing our mass. He's putting the right weight here. He's putting the right character here. He's putting the right, the right faith here. He's putting the right belief here. He's doing something in your life to get you aligned so that when you're released, not only do you hit the thing that you're after, but you hit it and then you keep going. God wants to create people that operate and live life with momentum and accuracy. And we have to stop rejecting tension. We have to stop rejecting and despising the stretching of God. I believe that God is tuning us so that we be launched in such a way that not only will we, will we be deadly accurate in our assignment, but that we'll go forth with such momentum that it'll be hard for us to slow down. I wanna encourage you, don't resist or pull the plug too early when you feel tension. Just believe that you're being positioned to launch. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.